Hi, I'm Ruth Ann Russo from Seoul, a consulting and technology firm whose mission is to make health accessible to everyone. This is the Self-Care Community Podcast, where we help you optimize your health and well-being. To learn more about what we can do for you and your organization, visit us at soul7.com. That's S-O-H-L, the number seven, dot com. Self-Care Community theme for today is cancer survivors. My guest is Francine Lawrence. Francine is my friend, colleague, and she's also the Director of Survivorship and Integrative Medicine at Mary Bird Perkins Cancer Center in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Thank you so much. Happy to talk with you. <laughs> so you and I have worked together in the self-care and integrative medicine space for a while now. We don't need to tell anybody how long that is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and actually, we're also both graduates of the doctoral program in mind-body medicine at Saybrook University, just to give everyone a little context as to uh, how you and I know each other. But yes. Francine, you actually started the program in integrative medicine at the Cancer Center. Is it over seven years ago now? It's actually been five and a half years ago since it began. Okay. So can you share how the program evolved under your leadership? Yes, I'd be happy to. It actually started as a volunteer effort out of my interest in mind-body medicine and part of my doctoral degree program. And I approached them with the idea of doing a mind-body medicine skills group. And they accepted my offer. I don't really even think they knew what I was talking about when I said a mind-body medicine skills group. But <laughs> They knew that I had a, a background, you know, my previous career had been in working as a social worker with persons in acute care hospitals. And so I guess um, that combined, also I had worked as a clergy woman previously in my career. So they were willing to give me um, the opportunity to work with patients. And so that's how it started. I started a mind-body medicine skills group. I changed the model a bit to be more in line with a support group model there in the Cancer Center. And it launched one Thursday on February and five and a half years later, it's still going strong. Wow. So Francine, for you and I, we know what a mind-body skills group is, but I'm not sure that all of our listeners will. Can you give an overview of what that what that actually is that can make it a little more accessible to everyone listening? Sure. Mind-Body Skills Group is a small group of no more than 10 individuals who come together, and there is a support quality to it because there's a check-in time where persons share how they're doing. Since it's mindfulness-based, participants are encouraged to talk about how they are at this time and this moment, rather than necessarily sharing the story from the week before. And then there's always a topic focused around a mind-body medicine skill, such as meditation or guided imagery, perhaps breathing techniques or biofeedback. And after a small didactic on the use of this mind-body medicine skill and how it impacts us physically and emotionally, you actually practice that skill or technique. So if we're talking about breathing, we would practice some breathing techniques that help us relax or help us be rejuvenized. Or if we're talking about guided imagery, we would learn how to do guided imagery. And that way, the participants of the program 
leave with a toolbox of tools and skills that they can then use when they need them or when they desire to use them on their own. Wow. And, and one of the things that I have always loved about, thank you for that explanation, it was great. But one of the things I've always loved about Mind Body Skills Group is that there is this spectrum of skills that we make available to people and certain things will work better for certain individuals or resonate with them right so people like you said you give them a skill box a, a toolbox for of their skills but then they get to pick and choose right based on what is working for them so that's, that's exactly right I, I was doing a presentation earlier for a group of social workers and that was what i was pointing out to them that you know, I can easily say my favorite mind-body medicine tool is mindfulness meditation, but I certainly have friends and coworkers who much prefer the yoga or the breathing exercises or to use guided imagery. And sometimes it will change per person per the day, depending on what their mood is or how anxious they are that day. So you're right. The great thing about the program that we were able to establish at the Cancer Center was we were able to create diversity in the types of skills that were available and the types of programs that were available. And so the, as the patients came through, they could pick and choose and see what met their interest and their personal preferences as far as practice. Hmm. And, and so Francine, you're, the patients who are part of this program, where do they come from? How do you get them? How do you identify them or invite them? Our program is within a regional cancer treatment facility that sees about 3,000 new patients every year. The 3,000 patients that come there for their conventional cancer care, such as chemotherapy, radiation, or surgery, and while they're there, we're able to introduce them to the mind-body medicine program. And we always introduce it as a program that complements their conventional care and that the two support one another. So we have found that having the mind-body medicine program embedded in a conventional care facility to be both challenging and very positive. It's positive in that we can access patients as they're getting their conventional care. The negative is sometimes they're so focused on getting their treatments and counting down the days and focused on getting through the chemotherapy perhaps that it's hard for them to devote attention or energy to anything else, including the mind-body medicine program. Hmm. So if that's, if I'm a patient who's in that situation you just described, would it, would the program be available to me after my chemotherapy is completed? Could I, could that be part of something I do once chemo is completed or does it need to be uh, concurrent? No, it, it's the patient's choice. It didn't start out that way. The term survivorship as um, defined by the Commission on Cancer is for that phase of treatment that begins at the end of conventional care. So it would be after the patient has completed their chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery. Mm -hmm. And then they move into that phase where they're no longer receiving care on a regular basis, but they are still 
facing and dealing with life as a cancer, as a person who has a cancer diagnosis. That was cancer survivorship. However, within the Cancer Center and where we began the program, we realized that the techniques that we teach would be very valuable to people as they go through treatment to help them relax or manage the pain or manage the anxiety and depression that can be associated with conventional treatment. So it began as a program that would be for persons once they completed their conventional treatment, but we learned very quickly that it was valuable to persons if we included it as an offering to them as they went through treatment. Wow, that's a really good example of patient-centered care, right? We hear that phrase. Yes. There's a, a great example. So I know you're, you're always focused on the benefits that your program generates. And I, regardless of what industry we're in, healthcare, any, any industry, we always have to be somehow you know, calculating and mindful of that ROI. I mean, you've talked about some of the benefits in terms of relieving a patient's anxiety, that kind of thing. Um, but for, for those organizations that don't already have a program like yours and those who want to improve their current programs, what can you share how you would define the benefits of your program for the individuals who participate? Like, What are the benefits to the individuals? We have worked very hard to be able to um, show the outcomes from our programs. And we have used a number of validated assess uh, validated assessment tools to help determine those outcomes if i had to summarize it and put it into one word i would say we we see improved well-being but we are able to determine that the participants show an improvement in their social well-being as well as physical well-being emotional well-being and spiritual well-being hmm. and so it's those primary areas that we've looked at the impact of the programming on our patients. It's sometimes astounding to me to see how dramatic the outcomes are and what a significant change patients are able to experience. The key to that we have learned though is while patients do experience benefit by participating in programs on occasion, say maybe once a week or once a month or once a quarter, we see the most dramatic change when patients can participate in, say, a program that allows them to come together twice a week for a six-week period, something that gives them consistent practice of these skills over time. That's where we see the most dramatic results. Okay, so that was twice a week for 12 weeks. Is that, that twice week? a week for six weeks? For six weeks. Oh, okay, so it's twelve sessions. I see. Twelve sessions. Okay. All right. And so, and how long are the sessions? How long are they? The sessions are three and a half hours, and what we try to cover in those sessions are to talk about mindfulness, the theory and philosophy behind it, and also give them a time to actually practice a mindfulness meditation. Then we follow that with yoga. We have expressive arts. And then we talk about the role of food in our lives. We leave the actual um, what to eat to our dietitians, um, but as a mind-body medicine practitioner, we often focus on mindful eating and the role that food plays in our lives. Mm, 
Uh, that's a really great idea. So just uh, just in case for anyone who's listening might have a question mark because we started out talking about mind body skills groups, which was different. That was when, when you first came to the cancer center, you were doing the whole spectrum and now you have certain, it sounds like you have certain practices that you're more focused on with um, your cancer patients. Is that true? It, it is accurate, but also we have been able to maintain the array of programs that we initially started with. You know, we started with that mind body medicine skills group and then we were able to add the healing arts and yoga and um, even pet therapy, you know, we were able to have these offerings that happen once a week or once a month or once a quarter. And then in addition to that, we were able to build in this six-week model that gave that consistent practice over time. So currently, both exist. Oh, okay. So you're, you're really doing almost double duty here in terms of what you're offering. Yes. The community. Okay, that is that is actually really great. So, um, so thank you for that clarification. And I, so we talked. You've talked really uh, in a significant amount of detail here about the benefits to the individuals. What about have you been able to quantify or even qualify in any way the benefits to the organization from the fact that you are offering these services to patients and they're and they're actually participating? Well, I do see our program as a competitive differentiator. And the reason I say that is you can go to many cancer treatment facilities and receive your chemotherapy or your radiation, your surgery, and get excellent care. But what you can't often find at the cancer centers here in our area, in our region, are the complementary therapies, you know, such as the mind-body medicine program or the, the acupuncture, the Reiki, things like that. So I, I do see that for an organization, a program such as this is a competitive differentiator and will draw in persons who are specifically looking for something to complement and expand upon the conventional treatment that they receive. Okay. Yeah. That, and so there's probably, I would guess, although again, these kinds of things are hard to quantify because there's so many different variables, but I would guess that there's probably some way to show improved patient satisfaction because yes. of the Yes. Well, and what I, what I didn't say is that I personally don't have the data to show it, but what our development department has told me repeatedly is that our programs are the most attractive to donors. We have donors most eager to give um, their philanthropy dollars to what we at our facility call the survivorship program, that program that serves to help support our patients in a um, holistic way as they go through treatment. So I don't have the data you know, at my fingertips to back that up, but um, I do, I feel like that's pretty significant when your director of development says that it's your program that our donors most often want to contribute to. Yeah, that sounds pretty big. That sounds pretty uh, significant. So that's, and that's good to hear, especially again, for whoever may be listening that is either thinking about implementing. But you know, you know, Ruthann, you're, you're talking about what I consider one of the biggest challenges, and that is quantifying the impact of 
a program like this. And I find myself saying it so often. And I think it's a challenge for, for um, complementary programs across the country is just figuring out the best way to show this in the bottom line or in patient satisfaction. And, and while our program is a little over five years old, in a lot of ways that's very young. And so we're still working out how do we quantify and measure these things. And so when you were talking about the patient, the patient benefits, the benefits of the patient, you were talking about how they see or you see improvement in well-being. Are these self-assessment or is that something that you're able to measure or are you collecting that data in a different way? No, these are self-assessment. Well, they're pre-test, post-test self-assessments. And so um, at the beginning of every program like our six-week program that we have we provide pre-tests post-tests for that and we do use four different validated assessment tools that they complete and then we also have an assessment tool that we give at the end of every program that allows the patient to um, report whether or not they feel more connected socially, feel less pain, um, feel like they're more empowered to control their situation, things like that. So we do use assessment tools and try to measure. We still just have some work to do in figuring out how best to do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but that's a good start, right? Because you do have uh-huh. something that is quantifiable. And then I wonder when I, I, I hear, I listen to this, and I know it's not a one-to-one um, analogy, but you know the, the research project that was done at the Benson Henry Institute where they put patients through a similar program, but they were not just cancer patients. They were patients with a, a very a various chronic conditions. And they went through a similar program and not only did they do the types of measures that you're talking about, but they also measured the healthcare expenses for that group of patients over the next year and a half. And they uh-huh. were able to show a decrease in overall healthcare expenses from the group that participated by 40%. Now, again, it's not cancer patients. There may have been uh-huh. some patients in that group that had cancer as a secondary diagnosis. Um, but that's that's the kind of thing that when we start talking about value-based care, right, that starts yes. to align and it shows that these what seemingly simple but really, really important and essential skills can the impact they can have, right? And I think it's why integrative medicine is seen as one of the things that can contribute to our failing healthcare system here in the United States, you know, as everyone scurries around trying to decipher what's most needed and how to repair this system of care, I think integrative medicine continues to rise to the top of that list because it does impact the cost of healthcare as well as have a significant impact on the patient themselves. Yep, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So, uh, so that was actually really, I think, some really good information around uh, what your thoughts are about the value and the benefits to both patients and the organization. And, you know, it's interesting because I've been thinking about the fact that you do have this really interesting background on your trajectory towards eventually where you landed here in integrative medicine. And you had alluded to it a little bit at the beginning of our conversation. You know, you just 
sort of understatedly mentioned that you were once a clergywoman and that you also are a social worker. You have an MSW, you have several degrees, right? And yeah. so I wonder, just given the fact that you have this varied and rich background professionally, um, how, and, and oh, the other thing I also want to mention that I think might be important for folks to know is that you're now obviously working with cancer patients, but in your, your past professional life, you worked very closely with another really important group, a marginalized group, the mentally ill. Um, and you were, I think, was it a director or regional director for NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness? I was. I was a regional director for the National Alliance for the Mental, Mentally Ill. And, um, and I also worked for the Mental Health Association for a while, too. So you're right. Mental health and mental health advocacy is definitely a, a part of my career path. So how has that, that background, your professional, and even if there's any per, anything personal you'd like to mention, but how has that influenced where you are today in your role um, in the, the U.S. health system? I think every piece has played its part and a significant part. As I have been on this journey as a professional, I often wondered, you know, why one interest would then take me to the next or to the next, you know, why couldn't I just be satisfied being a, a clergywoman or just be satisfied doing social work? But there was always something else kind of urging me on to explore the next and explore the next. And I think if I examine it, it's because I do view human beings as holistic entities. And while I know from a clergywoman standpoint, the spiritual piece of us as human beings is, is vital. And as a social worker, I may know that the mental health or even the physical needs of a person are essential, but I've always been drawn to the fact that somehow all of these things have to come together to make the whole person and the whole experience. And so the next step after those career focus says was to look at the mind-body medicine. You know, how does what we think and how we feel emotionally and how we believe spiritually, how does that impact how our bodies heal? And that's how I've come to where I am now is trying to draw upon all of those aspects of being human and, and use it to understand how those pieces can impact healing and health. Wow, that was beautifully, beautifully said. Thank you very much for that, um, that analysis. Yeah, it's uh, you've a wonderful background and uh, I'm really glad I met you. So. Yeah. Well, same here, this was a good day. Yeah, so, um, so we're, we're actually coming to the end of our half hour and I did have um, one question that I wanted to ask you so you could share something special. And I think you alluded to it again a little bit earlier, but if you just wanna go ahead and repeat that, can you share with our listeners um, what your, your own favorite self-care practices and maybe why or, or anything you'd like to share about it? Well, my favorite self-care practice is yoga. I don't get to practice yoga every day so what you heard me allude to earlier was the mindfulness meditation, the, the a sitting mindfulness meditation practice. So if I'm allowed to choose two, those would be my two 
favorite, perhaps one because it involves movement and, um, and then the other because it allows me to settle my mind and become still. And that's where I gain the most wisdom in life, I think. Oh, great. Well, that's, I, I love that too. And, you know, I think about, because you and I both learned um, our mind-body skills, our mind-body skills groups training from Jim Gordon, so from the Center, uh, Center for Mind-Body Medicine. And I think about how when he defined meditation, he defined it as, you know, meditation that was moving meditation or meditation that was still meditation. And so yoga is is really, I mean, in many ways, it really is uh, a meditation, a mindfulness practice, right? Because the whole idea yes. is to be present while you are, um, while you are practicing yoga. So, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Francine, thank you so much for telling us about your program. I'm, I'm really glad that we could share this with others. And um, I can leave, is it okay if I leave a contact, maybe an email, in case anyone yes. who listens might want to ask questions? I did also want to say, I have seen your, uh, I guess, flyers or marketing materials is probably a better way to put it because they're very professionally done, the, the marketing materials that you have created for your program. And I just think there's some of, of, of the best explanations very quick. I'm sure that they've probably gotten the attention of a lot of, of your patients. So I don't know if you'd ever be willing to share those with folks, but I at least wanted to mention that, you know, you've done a really great job of, of putting together that PR piece. Absolutely. And that can be accessed on the Cancer Center's website. It's Mary Bird Lake backslash thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E. And if you go there, you can access the resources that you're mentioning, Ruthann. And I'd be more than happy to share if someone contacted me by email. Okay. Well, thank you, Francine. I'm sure you'll probably hear from some folks. Uh, but thanks again for joining me. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you soon. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.